You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. What's up, gang? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. We're going to waste no time and introduce our guest tonight. Very, very excited to have on the legend, Mr. Paul Brettle. Paul, how you doing today, buddy? You're too kind, but I'm always happy to join you, Clayton. Yeah, you can tell it's almost college football season. You're repping the Wisconsin gear, right? I am. I'm ready for that as well. Absolutely. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm a Notre Dame fan, so I'm looking forward to this Saturday, just hoping that Navy doesn't come in there and into Ireland and smack them around too much. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what, cool see game what to watch. happens. <laughs> All right. Well, let's kind of jump right into it, Paul. I know we had chatted a little bit offline and this is kind of our weekly update, man. We've, we spent all week trying to decipher all the material and pretend like we know what's going on. So we have to have you come on and just straighten everything out for us. So that's what we're here for today. Um, just want to kind of get an update on, on a couple of different things. Let's kind of start off with the offense first, if that's okay with you. Mm-hmm. Um, just want to know, you know, from this week and, and since the last time we chatted, Paul, um, what kind of stands out to you from the offensive side of the ball as we get ready to go into this uh, this very last preseason game? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with the Jordan Love, I'm sure, on everyone's mind. And I thought overall he had another really, really good week of practice. Uh, there was one interception to end the two-minute drill um, during Wednesday's portion. He was trying to fit the ball into a tight window to Romeo Dobbs. And in part, it was a really good play by Razul Douglas, who jumped it and ripped it away from Dobbs. But outside of that one play, I thought that he had a really nice week. And really what's been standing out to me over the last week, week and a half, even two weeks or so with his progression as a quarterback, you know, just in the month, roughly month long sample size that we've seen so far is his ability to create some opportunities for himself. Cause we all know, and we've talked about it even before Jordan Love was a starter, the, the Matt LaFleur offense. And yes, that part of it is going to do some of the heavy lifting in terms of getting guys in open space, creating some easier looks for Jordan Love to take advantage of. And we've seen that as well. Uh, You know, when you're moving Christian or Watson around pre-snap and getting him lined up on Corey Ballantyne or Ennis Gaines, 
uh, Jaden Reed being matched up over the middle against a linebacker. You know, those are the things that the scheme is helping create. But Jordan Love and his ability to throw guys open to a degree. I mean, we've seen that on some deep passes. We've seen him fit the ball into some really tight windows. And that really became evident last week between the joint practices with New England and the preseason game. Um, because like I talked about on last week's show, that secondary was really good. I mean, they were they did a nice job, especially on Thursday and then the Saturday game of being all over those Packers receivers. And so his ability to still create in those opportunities, take advantage of those tight windows that are there, um, I think that goes to show the potential and the ceiling that's there. Now, of course, it always comes back to consistency and doing that regularly and protecting the ball. But I, I think that's a really, really promising development that's happened over the last few weeks. And in terms of protecting the ball, I think overall he's done that really good as well. I saw, uh, I, th I think it was from the Journal Sentinel, like their Twitter account had tweeted out that he had he's thrown just five interceptions uh, throughout all the training camp practices that they've had so far. And he has a really good balance of knowing, you know, when he can take. So those creating throws that I was just talking about, when to take that shot downfield, when to try to fit it into the tight window and when to just continue going through his progressions and then taking what the defense gives him, you know, for not having a ton of NFL experience. I feel that he's been really, really good at that aspect of it, of knowing, all right, when can I push it? And when should I lay off for the time being? So Again, just a really, really solid week from him. And Matt LaFleur said that we're going to see Love and the starters uh, uh, take some snaps on Saturday once again. <clears throat> uh, a few uh, a few other notes, if you don't mind me jumping in. Yeah. Um, Malik Heath. So he, he's consistently been with the A group. And what I mean by the A group is even going back to offseason programs, they would separate the team. And the A group featured the starters and then some, you know, guys who weren't the starters, you know, your Malik Heath, you would see in that group um, on the defensive side of the ball, guys like Innis Gaines, Corey Ballantyne, guys who aren't starters, but were playing well and, you know, seeing their roles increase. Well, on Wednesday's practice, you know, he was in the wide receiver rotation. Like it was rotating between him, Toure Reed, Watson and Dobbs, which to me was a big development in terms of because I just think there's a significance in going from that capacity or from the A group to that capacity. So, you know, he still has to go out and perform on Saturday. Again, monitor his special team snaps, which it did increase last week uh, compared to the Cincinnati game, because that's going to be important for him to contribute to. But he just looks like someone who's going to find his way onto this roster. I, yeah, I completely agree. And you can see the chats lit up. Malik Heath season is here. They love him. They absolutely love the guy. I know he's – He's been a blast to watch. I said it – I had kind of a hot take last week or earlier this week, I should say, Paul, when I said, man, when I when I watched him make that catch over the middle and other catches too, even out on the perimeter coming across the middle, he reminds me of Andre Johnson from Houston way back in the day. He just, he just looks like he's not scared at all on that field, especially as someone who has, you know, so little experience. It's amazing. It really is. And, and at the same time, I'm trying to remind myself of how we all got excited about Jeff Janice and, and – <laughs> and all these other you know what I mean it seems like there's always a camp darling but there I don't is. know this just feels a little different it really does um all right let's do this let's move on to the defensive side of the ball uh the defensive side of the ball Paul um kind of what's a defensive update and if you don't mind I would like to get your take uh it, whether it's on the front side or, or before you wrap up the defensive side of the ball 
Um, Lucas Van Ness taking reps with the interior defensive line. I, you know, I don't know if it's just me being the fanboy, but when I broke down his college tape when we first drafted him, it's like, I want to see this guy on the interior in our nickel. I really do. Mm-hmm. And and then I, I see one report, right, come across the internet saying he was with the with the defensive line. And I got so excited. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm blowing this out of proportion. <laughs> but the defensive side of the ball, and specifically with Lucas Van Ness, kind of what stood out to you this week? Yeah, so I'll start right there. Uh, yeah, he was taking individual reps with the interior defensive line group during team drills throughout the whole week. He was still with the edge rushers. And as you mentioned, his time at Iowa, like that's where the majority of his snaps came from lined up inside, hands in the dirt, um, pass rush and run defense in that capacity. And I still remember after the draft, after the, or is right after the selection and Brian Gudikins came down to the media room, you know, that he mentioned the, the possibility of uh, Van Ness being used in a similar capacity to Zadarius Smith. Sure, we all remember it'd be third down, obvious passing situation. You got Zadarius Smith lined up over the center, um, just saying, Hey, go get after the quarterback. So Brian Gudikins alluded to him being used in that capacity. And I think at this stage of his career, it's just another way for him to get onto the football field. Because this edge rusher room, you know, Matt LaFleur said they've got a lot of potential. And I've been really, really impressed with that unit in particular. And obviously Rashawn Gary's back in the mix, who I'll get to here in a second. But he Van Ness could very well be the fifth member of that rotation right now. Once Gary's back, Gary and Smith will be the starters. I mean, Enig Bari looks to be just, you know, that cliche poised year, year two leap, you know, it looks like yeah. he's definitely making it. Uh, Justin Hollins, he's just been solid. He's steady against both the run and the pass. Like Van Ness could be the fifth man in that rotation. They're obviously going to find ways to work him onto the field, get him reps, get him snaps because, you know, when he's, able to just go get after the quarterback and use his power, use his speed. That's where you see him at his best. So putting him in those situations, you know, so he can find success early on is what the Packers are going to do. And there may be some opportunities to come to do so lined up inside. You know, one thing that I've noticed about him, you know, we see the, again, the speed, the power, definitely a rawness to his game in terms of from a development standpoint, you know, he's, He's someone who is going to need to develop that secondary pass rush move because, unfortunately, you can't just run through every offensive tackle in the NFL. They're going to counter you, and then you got to figure out how you're going to adjust to that on the fly. And also, I think another thing is just um, having a bit of a pass rush plan. And again, I think having that secondary move will help with that in terms of how he's going to go about it. But, you know, there's that one rep from the Bengals game that I remember where he was, uh, he, he lost the ball. Um, in terms of where who, the, where who had it and where they were on the field. And again, there's just some rawness to his game, but that the Packers knew that draft in him. Um, and obviously he's entering a room that's very deep but with a ton of talent. And so they're going to have the opportunity, similarly to Gary, to bring him along a bit slowly and put him in situations where he can play to his strengths. And you say, hey, go power rush the guy across from me and go get after the quarterback. Because there have certainly been flashes from him as well. Don't get me wrong. When I say he's the fifth man in the rotation – uh, he, you know, this week in particular, he had a couple practices where he was able to get after the quarterback. So ton of talent. And I do expect him to see some snaps, you know, inside the season. I don't think it's going to be a ton. I think it's one of those things where like they do with a lot of young players. All right, let's put some stuff on your plate. Let's see what you can handle. And once you prove you can handle that, we'll add some more and some more and some more. So that's the path that I think they're going to go down with Van Ness. And then I'll stick with edge rusher, Rashawn Gary. First practice back in team drills, I should say. Yeah. They're doing one-on-ones. 
he gets matched up with Zach Tom, who we all know is a fine offensive tackle, had a really good training camp. And Rashawn Gary, his first rep out, goes and beats him. Tom did a really nice job of initially taking on Gary's power rush. But just like we were talking about with Van Ness, what are you going to counter with? He made a, a speed move inside and got past him to, to get to the quarterback. Then in that same practice, he had what I think would have been a sack if there was live tackling. He had another pressure. In today's practice, he had uh, another sack, two more pressures that I was able to count. So uh, <laughs> he has just come right out the gates, you know, looking like he didn't lose a step whatsoever. Now, when we talked to him after Tuesday, uh, he about week one, and being available, you know, he's still taking the, it's day to day says there's still some boxes to check has to talk with Matt LaFleur and the training staff and, you know, things in that regard. But in terms of just what I've seen in him being on the field, I think it's a very real possibility that he could be out there for that first game. Definitely. What about, and this is kind of off cuff. And if, mm-hmm. if you don't have an answer, it's totally cool. But what about Devondre Campbell? How are, are we, I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm still kind of uh, I got I got a little bit of a uh, little bit of shell shock from last year when it came to David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins' you know knee injury, and then of course Devondre missed significant time last year, and then we heard I think it was Matt Schneidman report that there was a, a boot and a scooter in his locker right by his locker, and we're all going hold on a minute. We we were immediately it was like trying to break down the JFK assassination or something. We were we were scrambling, going, was he on the scooter? Was he not on the scooter? What's going on uh, with Devondre Campbell? Do you think it's likely he'll be ready for Week One, or or should we be concerned there? Do you think? If I had to guess, and he's still been out of practice, but Brian Gudikin said that he doesn't expect it to be a long term injury. Um, so if I had to guess right now, I would say they're just making sure that he's fully healthy and ready to go for week one. But of course that's just pure speculation. Um, what I will say is before, uh, his injury, I thought that he, and just the linebacker group as a whole had had a nice training camp, yeah. um, filling gaps in the run game, flowing sideline to sideline, you know, in coverage, if there was a completion or pass attempt they, him and Quay always seemed to be pretty close by to limit, um, the opportunity for the pass catcher. So I thought that he had been having a nice training camp up to that point. And I'll go on a little different direction with the linebackers. Cause one thing I had noticed this week or not this week, but throughout training camp was they seem to be blitzing a lot more from the linebacker position. I think a lot of us can see that in the preseason games as well, but they're doing it in practice a ton. And so after Tuesday's practice, I, I asked Quay Walker about that. I said, are you guys blitzing more right now? And in short, he said that they are in comparison to last season. So in part, are they doing it to, you know, maybe just test Jordan Love and this young offense because they're probably going to see their share of blitzes early on? Probably. But, you know, in training camp, they're they're uh, implementing the playbook. You know, they're, they're putting in what they're going to use during the season. So it's not like this was a two-practice thing where it's like, <laughs> all right, let's, let's just get you guys, you know, kind of accustomed to what we might do. Like it's week after week after week after week that we see them going after the quarterback from the linebacker position. So I'm hopeful that that means it's going to be a bigger part of this defense because what we what we really want to see is just that more proactive approach rather than reactive because it always felt like even with all the playmakers on this side of the ball, this defense is just reacting to what the offense is doing. The offense is always the one dictating. And, you know, being in charge of kind of what's taking place. But when you're blitzing, 
And then especially when you're getting home and you're on the attack, now you're the one dictating things. You're the one taking a little bit of that control back. So this defense has the capability. They have the players to be able to do that. So I just want to see them do it more. So that's been a, a, a interesting development. I'll say something I'm keeping my eyes on. And Quay Walker said the same thing, that it is something they are doing a little bit more of. Got it. Got it. And immediately my mind, you know, schematically, Paul, it goes to, um, okay, are they going to play more man coverage then? Single high safety, blitz mm-hmm. a backer from the middle and just play kind of that single high man? Or are they going to play a little more cover two zone and fire one of those guys off in the middle? Um, it's exciting. And, of course, like you said, with Rashawn Gary returning, I heard a stat uh, just a couple of days ago. I believe they said before Gary was injured, the Packers were second in quarterback pressures. After mm-hmm. he got injured, they were 28th. Like that's, gosh, it's such a huge X factor. It's so exciting to to get him back for sure. Um, final thing, Paul. Um, what are maybe three things you're looking for in this preseason finale? You know, it, it's we all get excited about a football game being on, mm-hmm. and what we're trying to do is prep our listeners and more selfishly trying to prep myself like okay what do I really need to be keyed in on on this last preseason game what comes to mind if you were to say maybe three things to watch three players to watch three you know schematic questions whatever Mm -hmm. so something I would just add to the list today is uh what's the starting offensive line configuration because at today's practice we saw Zach Tom at center for Josh Myers and Rasheed Walker at right tackle um you know I've I've said over the last week or so that Myers at center, Tom at right tackle, that's who I thought is going to be out there week one, just because that's what we've seen the most of. I mean, up until today's practice, the last time Tom was at center with the ones, I think was three weeks ago now. Um, And if I was still to make a guess right now, that's the direction I'd go again, because it was just one practice. But I'm definitely going to be interested to see what configuration they come out with, because you know, Matt LaFleur has continually said Rashid Walker, when given the opportunity, he's stepping up and playing well, and he's doing that in both preseason games. He's now been at left tackle with the ones uh, every, every practice this week since David – or all the ones at Bakhtiari has been out, of course. So I'm just very curious to see what that offensive line configuration is. And then <clears throat> off of that a little bit, just the run game. Uh, specifically with the starters, and I know they're not going to get a long run, but I think I've talked about it on here before, that running between the tackles, this training camp has been tough. It does feel like the offensive line is building some momentum in that regard as of late. We saw it against New England uh, in practices this week as well. There's you know some bigger running lanes, some more of those chunk runs, 8, 10, 12 yards from Jones and Dylan. So obviously just want to see if they can continue to build off that and the limited capacity that they're probably going to be out there. But it's important. I mean, this offense is in predictable passing situations with a first-time starter, uh, a young group of pass catchers, Not just not a recipe for success. Yeah. Um, as far as players, the two guys I'm going to be watching are Ennis Gaines and Corey Ballantyne. Reason being, I think that those, I think the Packers are taking a really long, hard look at them this week. And one of them could be making a push for the final roster. Reason I say that both have been injured. Uh, both just came back this week and both were thrown right back into the mix of where they were. Valentine with the second team defense on the boundary, Gaines with the second team defense in the slot. And both have seen a ton of special team snaps as well, which is their bread and butter. It's how they're going to contribute on this team. But they both have the ability to contribute this year. 
one from a special teams perspective, as I just mentioned, both were key contributors in that aspect of the game last season. Uh, Ballantyne has been with the second team defense and the boundary going back to offseason programs. And then Gaines, he can do a little bit of everything. He is the second nickel option, you know, to Keyshawn Nixon right now. And I probably have mentioned it on here before, they don't have a ton of true nickel guys. You know, right, yeah. Valentine, Valentine, Stokes, Douglas, their boundary. Jair is a put them wherever the best guy is. But in terms of true nickel, it's Nixon and it's Gaines. And I just mentioned Gaines has a special teams value. He's also listed as a safety. Like he's really versatile. He's taking snaps there. So if you were ever in a pinch defensively, you got a safety. And as you, as they say, the more you can do, well, he can do a lot of things. So those are two guys in particular. And I feel like the longer we see them go in Saturday's game, the that's going to be more of the, oh, they really are taking a hard look at them to get them, you know, because they both missed some time to see or to evaluate them, get them as many snaps as they can to make that final evaluation. If I were just, you know, if it does come down to those two for maybe a final spot or so, I would pick Guinness Gaines as my guest, just for the reasons mentioned. He can do just a little bit more um, and I think provide a little extra value than Ballantyne. But those are two guys I'm definitely going to be locked in on. And then one more, the safety position. Uh, it feels like Rudy I'm Ford. I'm ready for this. I'm ready. I'm listening now. <laughs> it feels like Rudy Ford's the guy. Matt LaFleur yeah. said today that uh, I forget his exact words, but essentially they've they have a good idea of who that second guy next to Savage is going to be. Um, and throughout this last week of practices, it's been Rudy Ford. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe they're just making their way back around that rotation that they've been doing heavily. But I think Ford has made the most sense all along and they were just doing their due diligence and seeing, all right, what can Owens provide? What can Moore provide Johnson? But what Ford did last season was he's provided stability. And that's what this unit needs. Joe Barry has been very adamant this whole offseason. They're just looking for consistency. Obviously, you want plays if you can get them, but step one is just down-to-down consistency. And Matt LaFleur has mentioned with Ford doing the little things, the communication before the pre-snap, which is such an important part of playing safety. Um, He's proven to be a capable tackler, a willing run defender. As we all know, that's such an important part of Barry's defense because of the typically lighter boxes they play with. They got to be willing to stick their nose in there, take on a blocker, fill in a gap, make a tackle in the open field. And Ford did that. And I know this part sounds simple, but the Packers were missing it last season. He did his job. He was positioned where he needed to be positioned. And that didn't always happen. And that led to miscommunications. It led to coverage breakdowns, big plays for the offense. And I think we saw a byproduct of just his reliability in turnovers. He had three interceptions. He had a fumble recovery. In part, that's a product of just being positioned correctly to make plays on the ball when it comes in your direction. So that's how I feel things are trending right now, that Ford's going to be next to Savage week one. Uh, Lafleur also added on that this is a fluid situation, depending on the performance in the games, what takes place in practice. You know, They're not going to be afraid to make a change if need be. But I know we've all had eyes on that, and it's been really hard to gauge kind of where they're, yes. what the Packers' thinking is just because they're moving guys around so much. And I've been on the it's going to be Rudy Ford train, you know, going back a few months. But even over the last couple of weeks when Ford or excuse me, Owens has been in there for, you know, almost two weeks as the main starter. I'm like, well, maybe not. But (laughs) it it feels like it's come full circle at this time. Yeah, definitely. And 
pretty much that was my same assessment. I've, I've talked about it all week long, Paul. I've been like, it kind of feels like now they, they knew what they had in Rudy. Let's see if Jonathan Owens can pick this up. Let's see how how well he could play alongside Savage. And now they're kind of coming back around and thinking, okay, it's going to be Rudy. I'll tell you this, though. I do feel pretty good with all of the experience that Jonathan uh, Owens got, you know, during this camp. And and I started to kind of feel a little bit comfortable because the big knock for me last year with the safeties was their inability to tackle. And Jonathan Owens, that's definitely a strength of his. So it's like, okay, this makes sense. But then when Rudy Ford reemerged, now I'm feeling really good about having Jonathan Owens as that backup safety, you know, to kind of fill it in a pinch. So mm-hmm. it's good yeah. stuff. And what you said about Enos Gaines, uh, I remember you saying that last week too, that that he's kind of that second string nickel, man. That's going to be valuable, that along with special teams. And and I I didn't even realize he was listed as a safety. That that really says a lot too. So Yeah, I, you know, his, his potential fit I, I could see being like the fifth cornerback because at this time I'm not sure that's – Stokes very well might start the season on the pup list, which means at a minimum he's going to have to miss the first four weeks if he's not taken off before then. And so, I mean, Gaines could fit into the roster as that fifth cornerback behind, you know, the big three and then Carrington Valentine. So, you know, that's kind of how I see his path potentially being. Um, but yeah, he's listed as a safety, but he's, he's a cornerback and we're talking to him in the locker room and he's back in the slot now and was at the end of last season. He said, that's where he's most comfortable. He said he loves being at the line of scrimmage and chirping at the quarterback. Uh, He loves the ability to blitz, get his nose in there in the run game. Also the coverage opportunities to come as well. So he's just, you know, he's been a Swiss army knife for this Packers team because he's been here. I think this might be his third off season with the Packers. And wow, I didn't even realize that you're right. Yeah. He just always kind of hangs around. He's battled some injuries too, which I think is, you know, at times hurt his ability to really make a strong roster push, but he was on the 53 late last season, played 30 plus snaps, I think over the final two or three weeks from the slot. So he's got that experience as well. So that's a guy that I'm definitely going to be keeping my eyes on. Got it. Well, Paul, we appreciate you. You always, uh, you're the best, man. You're the best at what you do. And again, guys, everybody check out Paul. You can follow him at Paul underscore Brettle. He writes at Packers Wire and Dairyland Express. Awesome article today on Rudy Ford at Packers Wire. So we appreciate your work. You, uh, you're my go-to, uh, my go-to guy right now, Paul. Anytime I've got a question, I immediately go over to Packers Wire and go, "What has Paul said about this?" <laughs> so we, uh, we appreciate you, Paul. You're the best, man. Hey, I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. As always, always a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Have a great night. You too. All right, that was Paul Brettel. And now we bring in Jacob from the Packernet Fantasy Podcast. Uh, Jacob, man, initial takeaways, Paul, always bringing the thunder. What a what a great, great job covering that, man. Yeah, uh, Paul's the best. If you guys, again, if you haven't followed him yet or subscribed to whatever he's doing, make sure you do that. I, uh, I wrote some notes down, just kind of the highlights of what I thought was interesting, what he talked about. He talked about love creating opportunities for himself, but also the fact that they're scheming a lot of guys open. I know Ryan's talked about the fact that this is first time in a long time where there's multiple guys just wide open. And sometimes it's like glaringly wide open where you have to account. I I would have to think for the scheme, for the play calling, the design of the play. It's just kind of cool to see that. He talked about Reed going against linebackers. That's again, something that we talk about with, with designing that. You know, nobody wants to have their big old linebacker covering Jaden Reed. It's just not something that they're going to scheme up like as a preferable, you know, situation. Christian Watson going against DB twos, DB threes. 
and so on. Like that's not something that's ideal for the defenses that pre-snap motion he's been talking about. Um, <clears throat> we can get into it. He didn't quite touch on it, Paul Brettel, but it sounded like that LaFleur kind of opened up the playbook today. He started doing a lot of weird, like end arounds, pop passes. Um, some trickery was afoot. I saw some trickery, it sounds like. But And then he <laughs> talked about Heath and Torre. He, he kind of more specified Heath getting those first team reps with wide receiver. But I think, I, I don't quite know what to read into that. I think on, uh, on Heath's side, they want to see what he can do with those, with those, uh, that number one team, you know, really see if what they're seeing flash is, is legit. And with Torre, I'm not really quite sure. I start to get a little bit nervous that like, <laughs> like Ryan's talked about, we're trying to figure out where he fits so we don't have to let him go. But yeah. I, I'll admit, I, as I said on a different stream, I was so thinking that Torre was going to start wide receiver three. That was one I got real, real. I don't dye my beard, Eric. Um, but I, uh, I will admit that I, I, th I think he's now like wide receiver five at best, maybe fighting for, like I said, he's, he's down there with Malik Heath. I'm wondering if like, they're trying to figure out who's five and six there. So, right. um, and then he talked about more linebacker blitzing, which I thought was kind of cool. The gains safety situation. We talked again on, the, on that other stream about how I thought that gains is the backup slot. And it sounds like Nixon's been kind of falling down a lot that he hasn't been very, hasn't been very polished with his coverage. I mean, we all know that he deserves a spot on this team clearly as a returner, as somebody on defense, maybe even as a gadget player here and there on offense. But it, it, if we have better players, I just want the best person to play. So that's what I took away. And the fact that the Ford and Savage, uh, Matt LaFleur, I watched that interview that he was talking about. He was, I don't know why he has to be so cryptic, but he was like, yeah, we got a guy. It's basically like Savage and a guy. And he didn't say what the guy was. I wrote down, I thought it was Ford. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Brettel just kind of said that he thought it was. And he, I, I wrote down too, I crossed. <laughs> One of my favorite episodes of The Office is called Due Diligence. I think it's called Due Diligence. It's when they have that like uh, bank guy come in and assess uh, the, the, the office or whatever. So Michael, you know, he tries to like make everything look way better than it does. I think that's kind of what they were doing in the safety room. They were just peppering in a lot of Tavarius Moore, a lot of random safeties. I still think Anthony Johnson Jr. could be a dark horse to make the team, but I think they're just, they were kind of peppering in a bunch of people to make sure that they weren't crazy, that they had the right guys. And I think at the end of the day, it's going to be Savage and Ford. If I had to make that, make that yeah. bet. Definitely. Tim, what did you think, man, uh, about Paul and, and what he had to say? Anything stand out to you before we hey, – uh, What's up, Tim? What's up, fellas? How's it going? I'm good. <laughs> um, lots of things stood out. Jacob took some of my thunder, but that's okay. Um, let's see. Where do we where do we start? How about uh, I agree, Anthony Johnson Jr., dark horse to make the team if the, the left leg holds up for him. Um, he was walking funny the other day. I hope he wasn't walking funny again today. Uh, but, you know, the real question when it comes to the safeties is, in my opinion, we should be asking Matt LaFleur is, how many are you keeping? Because <laughs> we just talked about, you know, the cast and characters that we've seen throughout camp. And it's like we kind of all know who the, who, this, who the three are, right? The core three, like you said, uh, Clayton, you know, J.O. being the uh, – basically your third your third safety and then it's like we know Dallin Levitt's making the team so there's four right there how how much room do we have 
uh, in this uh, position group on the 53. What do you guys think? For, you talking about from the safety position? Yeah, for safety, yeah. Yeah, I tell you, we we talked about it the other night on another podcast, and uh, there's some saying five, some are saying six, and it's like, like, like we pointed out, it's funny. I'm going, man, I could see six, but wait, safety is our weakest position on the entire roster, and we're going to keep more there than any other position. Like, how does this make sense? But again, special teams really comes into play. I think what Paul hit on though with Enos Gaines, I think he's almost a lock for this roster because he yep. is the backup nickel. He's very versatile. He can play safety all of those things we've got uh let's see we got a couple questions i want to hit real quick steven um who is a member here on the uh the youtube channel said steven smith said once caleb is healthy where does he fit in best or where does he fit the best that's a great question steven i, I really i don't know how to answer i mean when you look at the depth chart right now when it comes to offensive line obviously you're starting tackles Let's just say that they run with what they ran with the majority of the time in camp. You've got Bakhtiari at left tackle. You're going to have Tom at right tackle. Okay, who's the backup left tackle, right? Probably going to be Tom, which means Yasha going at right tackle, right? Then after that, who is your who is your next tackle? That's the question. Is it Caleb? I don't know. To me, it's Rasheed Walker. Rasheed Walker soaring up the depth chart. So if he's the, the third tackle or actually the fourth tackle at this point, then do you even carry Caleb? You know, I don't know if he's still got practice squad eligibility or not, but how do you see that, Jacob? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, there was a note today that Rasheed Walker was in with first-team reps at right tackle. So the offensive line was Bach, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, mm -hmm. Rasheed Walker taking number ones at, at the right tackle spot. Now, a lot of people read into that and thought, does that mean they're trying to see if he could possibly overtake Yash Nijman at right tackle so that uh, – so that Tom could sneak into to center. But I'm not necessarily sure that that's true. I think that they just want to know if they have, like you were talking about, a solid three to four person rotation at that left to right tackle position, which may dictate whether or not they're going to keep a Caleb Jones. I, I don't know, man, because originally I think you could – logistically you could keep eight because these guys are so interchangeable on that line. You could get away with it. But do you want to lose a guy like a Caleb Jones or – like even like a MP, you could argue we need him because he's the only true backup center at the point at this point. I don't know. Like right now, I think Royce is a cap casualty. I think that um, I, I even Sean Ryan. I think that he's probably a better lock than Royce right now, which I never thought I'd say that going into <laughs> right. going into the season. It's wild, so, man. It's wild. Um, let's see here. Before we get to the next question, which is going to be Tom's question coming up next, I want to give a big shout out. We've got two new members of the PTA Posse. That's what we're going to be called, guys. We've already come up with a name. Cheesehead Murph made the call, and he is on the Mount Rushmore of uh, a Packers Total Access um, members here. So I want to say congratulations and a special thanks to Janelle, who's a new member, and also Larry Cano. I hope I'm saying that name right. It's either Cano or Cano. Appreciate you guys being members. They will be entered into that drawing for the autographed Lucas Van Ness jersey that we're going to give away during the post-game show. I'm going to spin the wheel and draw a name from all of the YouTube channel members. Uh, that's going to be given away the very first post-game show after the Bears game on week one. So, again, thank you guys so much for the support. We really appreciate it. It was so awesome seeing Janelle's name pop up in there she's been with us from the very beginning as as has eric uh sutherland and, and cheesehead murph these 
these guys were like some of the first in the chat when we got this thing off the ground and running. So appreciate the support. Now, Tom's question, Clayton, Jacob, Tim, can we put Brenton Cox Jr. on the inside behind Dre, Quay, Hollins, and Eric Wilson? I know I know my boy Jacob up there's answer. He'd say you could put him in any position, anywhere. We want him on the roster. I'm going to ask Tim here. Tim, what do you think about what Tom just said, can he play inside when it comes to Brenton Cox Jr.? Because the thing that comes to mind for me is I think he's got the athleticism. It's just that inexperience. And, and there's a lot more to playing that inside linebacker position from a mental standpoint as opposed to, you know, uh, having to learn that double rack coverage and, and your your man principles when you're playing zone match, all those things within the defense. But how do you feel about that, Tim? Uh, my gut reaction is, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> But then taking into consideration what you huh? stated. <laughs> we all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. What what you so eloquently just stated is it is. It's a transition. He's a young player. Um, we're we're not entirely sure if he's gonna make the team. I'm with Jacob. I I want him to, but I don't know if I can say unequivocally that he does make this team. But I'd love to see him throw him in there and see what he can do. Um, but you're right from the speed of the game and the mental aspect, and it's a lot more to process and it's a whole new set of skills that you have to hone. Um, but you know what? It builds versatility in young players too. If, if they uh, get experience like this early in their career. So yeah, I do think they could stick them in there behind those guys. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Eric Sutherland in the chat says, I'm a dump a safety spot to keep, Cox, that's a fact, man. Like, there you <laughs> go. I was saying it's, I it's like very, that. Yeah, it's so hard to justify keeping six safeties when you know it's such a weak position group. And I'm telling you, I will be sick at my stomach, Eric, if we kept six safeties, cut Brenton Cox Jr., he ends up on the Bears, Lions, or Vikings roster. We probably all agree that we'd rather see them keep an extra uh, wide receiver, right? <laughs> then if it comes down to, to the final 53. That's a good point. Good point. Matt in the chat said, what about Carl Brooks? I'll tell you this. It sounds like Carl Brooks flashed again today, Jacob. 
I don't know if you had it in your notes or not, but to the best of my knowledge, I believe he was in on two different sacks at today's practice. So Carl Brooks just continues to absolutely flash in training camp. Did you have any notes on him? Anything stick out? Him him and Kobe Wooden both had another great day. And in my notes, I said Brooks in the backfield once again for at least one, one more sack in training camp. And then Kobe Wooden apparently had a massive run stuff as well. I tried to highlight to him, like, we got to figure out a name for them. So Cheesehead Murph, they're like the Bash Brothers. Remember Mighty Ducks? I think it was Mighty Ducks (laughs) 2. The Bash Brothers. Man, I thought that was so cool when I was a kid. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I'm i just – there's a lot of things that I wish we could cover. I know we have a limited time. Um, Jadakus Bonds sounded like he had another good day today. That They're talking he is a practice squad kind of lock right now, which was not the case at the beginning of camp. People were kind of so-so on him. And um, the other thing I wanted to talk about – oh, do we have time? Do we want to get into any sort of special teams real quick, or do you want to just keep this – We can. Yeah, we can get to it. Um, if you want to go ahead and hit on it right now, that's cool with me. Well, I just – I don't know what to think about it, man. So Carlson, six of eight, he made it from like, you know, 30, 35, 40, blah, blah, blah. I think he missed around like a 40-ish yarder. And then intentionally at the end of practice, which I thought was kind of fun and cool, we got to find Jair did an interview. It's on Green Bay Packers YouTube channel right now. It's about four minutes long. There's another, it's just a great Jair interview. So like you can cut maybe three or four clips from it and they're just gold. But one of them he's talking about, uh, they asked him, they put Anders Carlson in like a 50 plus yard situation and they gave him two kicks and they were specifically like yelling at him, taunting him, making fun of him. Sounded like Jordan love was even splashing water at him and he missed the first one. And then he made the second one. And then he missed, like I said, something around like a 40 ish yarder. So he ended up six of eight for the day. Jair has some great quotes. He said, Oh man, that was fun. Like that was the best part of the practice kind of thing. And like, he needs it. He needs to get this, this razzing and he needs to feel that pressure. To me, it seems like they're going to stick with this dude. They're going through everything. Although Mason Crosby today, guys, he went out and posted. Did you see that Clayton? I did. He's, he's trying to get that revenge body ready is what he's doing. Well, he said it's dad season, but then he said it's always football season. Got to stay ready. And I will admit he booted that thing. And I don't know if he enhanced the sound, but it was like, a, <laughs> like it was a deep trouble boom. <laughs> I love it. I've actually got an article pulled up here from Bill Huber talking about what you talked about. So I'm going to read it real quick. He said, so Anders Carlson and the rest of the unit lined up for a 50 yard field goal. This wasn't just any other 50-yard field goal. Carlson was circled tightly by the rest of the team. They were yelling. They were singing. They were squirting water at him. He said, quote, I had water dripping off my helmet. Carlson's first try was wide right. The players wanted Carlson to give it another shot. This time, not long after the ball left Carlson's foot, everyone went crazy. They celebrated. A moment later, the kick split the uprights. Quote, I think it heightens the moment. You get some more energy, Carlson said. It's fun for me just being out there in front of the guys. They're messing around, having fun with the water and everything. But for me, it's a time to lock in and try to execute a real game rep. I try to simulate everything. But when you get a little more energy, it feels more like Sundays and Saturdays. Now, I'll say this before I turn it over to you here, Tim. Really cool. So the number so far on Anders Carlson is after today, his practice numbers are 55 of 80 for 68.8%. But if you just take family night, the game in Cincy and the game against New England, he's 16 of 19 for 84.2%. Yeah. 
Primetime. I'm just saying. And and like the article said from Bill Huber, which I think Bill does a great job reporting on the team, very unbiased, gives you kind of the facts. He's like, practices for practicing, right? And those simulated game situations that we've seen, family night, Cincy, and New England, the guy's kicking 84.2%. I don't know. Maybe they're trying – they're trying to make some minor tweaks. Tim, you probably have a better eye for that than me. But uh, what do you think about those numbers, man? Because if you forget the practice numbers, right, and just told me family not since in New England, I go, okay, we got us a guy 16 of 19. We can live with that, right? What do you think, Tim? We got us a guy that can hit them when they matter. And that's what you need a kicker to do, right? Yep. Lock in, hit them when they matter. Um, I don't care if the guy goes out pregame and misses everything during warmups and goes four for four in a game. You know, that's what's important. Um, yeah, the 16 of 19 in the quote-unquote games situation is the number we should be looking at. And it's the same thing we can say about a lot of these position groups. You know, uh, we talked about this with Jordan Love and the, the interception count during practices. You know, it's like practice is f- exactly for that. You practice. You're going to make your mistakes there. You're going to make your adjustments there. With Carlson, I think it's a combination of – you know, getting the feel of that plant leg again post, you know, surgery and also uh, really finding his uh, his stride with with his swing on his kicking leg. And that's that's why he's pushing him and pulling him because he's tweaking it. And I think the end result of this is going to be dead center down the middle. You know, he's going to be splitting the uprights when it matters. And we have to rally behind him. We have to believe in him because, like Jacob said, he he's the kicker. You know, because like, think about this, even this isn't even about Mason Crosby. You know, I, I, I love Mason. OK, but this is about roster positions here. This team cannot afford to carry two kickers. You know, we can't have a situation where we have Mason Crosby doing place kicking and Anders Carlson doing our kickoffs. You know, with that, those are two roster spots that are valuable. You know, so clearly one kicker is here, at, has been at camp, um, barring catastrophic failure or injury. I don't I don't see them calling Mason anytime soon, regardless of how loud, you know, us fans may be screaming for that, you know? Yeah. It, it's to me it seems like they're pushing forward with it. And split screen game and said pretty much echo what you said, Tim. You play to win the game, right? Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. Tell them, Hearn. Tell them. Tell them, big dog. Hey, Jacob, do you have any updates on the injuries? I've got a few notes, but did you want to hit on the injuries or, or did you not cover that today? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think right now. Uh, I've got them right here. I'll write a little off, and if I miss something, you let me know. Yeah. Go we ahead. got uh, – so basically uh, returning to practice, Darnell Savage returned today, and it sounded like Devontae Wyatt returned today as well. Still out is Wicks, Goodson, Nichols, Stokes, Moore, Campbell, and Bo Melton, and – I didn't see anything definitive on Anthony Johnson. To the best of my knowledge, no one's seen him on the practice field today. Did you hear anything about that or any other injuries, Jake? I'm pretty sure that I did not see Anthony Johnson Jr. out there, so I think that's that's correct. Okay. Got it. Got it. All right. Let's move over to the offensive side of the ball real quick. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Scheme and Jordan Love, and I got really excited when I seen this come across the the Twitter, the Twitter bird there or X, whatever you want to call it. So it sounded like Matt LaFleur broke out another little wrinkle to the offense today, guys. He broke out the speed option. Do you know what the speed option is? You guys know, Jacob, Tim, any idea what comes to mind? Sounds like a something made for Jaden Reed. 
<laughs> speed kills, right? So basically the speed option is it's like the old Tommy option pitch place. Okay. With a speed option, let's say you're, let's say you're lined up in the shotgun, right? And you got a sidecar and you can do this out of any formation. It's just easier to do out of the shotgun. Let's say you're lined up in a shotgun and Aaron Jones is to your left, right? You snap the ball, both, both Jordan Love and Aaron Jones run in unison together. And basically Jordan Love's going to read the defender. If the defender breaks on him, then he's going to pitch the ball to uh, Aaron Jones. If the defender stays with Aaron Jones, then he may fake the pitch, cut up field, then try to get down for a decent gain, right? That's the speed option. So this is what they said at practice today. Love and Christian Watson ran a speed option to the right. So I don't know if there was some kind of pre-snap motion from the slot or if they lined Watson up at that wing that we seen. Remember the other night I showed you guys Z-wing? I don't know if they did it from that perspective or what, but they did a speed option right with Jordan Love and Christian Watson. They ran a speed option left with Jordan Love and Aaron Jones. Then Aaron Jones ran a jet sweep, and then Luke Musgrave ran a touch pass play, which is there. a lot of people were calling it a pop pass. I've always referred to it as a touch pass. Jet motion, he comes in front of the quarterback, the ball is snapped to the quarterback, and he just tosses it to the player. So you're talking about getting three, four different weapons involved. Now you're mixing in the speed option. We've seen Sean Clifford run the read option. I'm telling you guys, we're about to utilize Jordan Love's legs. I read somewhere that they even did the triple option, which is what I what we ran in high school, and that is crazy. You got like basically a diving fullback in there, a, a whole bunch of different scenarios. Like It sounded like he was pulling every single trick out of the book. And one thing again – which I referenced in the take your eye off the ball. There's a chapter in here where he talks about how coaches kind of go through the mini camp to the preseason. They hone their playbook down uh, anywhere from, depending on the scenario, anywhere from like a hundred to 200 plays from that, they whittle down it to, you know, like 35 per game kind of thing. And, but they always have like anywhere from 10 to 15 of those just like crazy end of the game plays or whatever the scenario is that they can pull out and just play. They say that maybe the the players practice them like four or five reps throughout all of the scenarios, you know, going into the season, but they still have those random, like, you know, tricks up their sleeve that they pull out. And it's kind of cool to think that maybe one of these, maybe one, what one crazy game, like we're down by four, it's a third and six, whatever. And we see like a triple option oh or just, like, just be like, Oh, it's the Leonardo DiCaprio meme where you're just like, I saw that. Like, <laughs> that uh, yeah, that's it. I love it. What do you think, Tim? You, you all about this speed option talk here, man. You know, this is a lot like Kansas city does this. They, they pull yep. these plays out with regularity and it's just, I think Andy Reed is a, a master of knowing exactly when the moment is right to do it. It might be on first and 10 that, that you pull it out, you know? So um, I, I like it. And I think uh, these guys are certainly young enough and comfortable enough running together to do wow. it. So why not? <laughs> um, sure. Also though, you know, you've got to be honest, these are the type of plays where you do, you get botched exchanges, you get think, yeah. you know, false start, uh, illegal motion, uh, too many guys on the line, not enough guys on the line. These kind of things can happen. So that's where the youth comes into play. We have to get those young minds all on the same page so we're not having technical issues with procedure at the line. So, um, But I, I'm excited to see them running it this year, guys. Yeah, just having fun with it. Man, one thing's for sure, whether it's an offensive penalty or you catch the defense off guard, somebody's going to be saying this. <laughs> 
every single time, every single time. Uh, let's see here. What else we got in the notes? This was a cool little note here, too, on the offensive side of the ball. So Paul Brittle talked about it in the opening, and I, I was reading it online as well. So basically, the the offensive line came out today, and they mixed it up again. David Bakhtiari was practicing today. They had Bach at left tackle, Elton Jenkins at left guard, Zach Tom at center, John Runyon at right guard, and then Rashid Walker at right tackle. And then they mixed it up and put David Bakhtiari at left tackle, Jenkins at left guard, Josh Myers at center, John Runyon at right guard, Zach Tom at right tackle. So if we remove all the other variables there, basically what you've got is they they gave Rashid Walker a chance to play right tackle today. To the best of my knowledge, it went decent. I didn't hear him say, no, he couldn't handle it. It was a bad day at practice. And when they did that, they put Zach Tom at center. So basically what it's coming down to is a position battle at center between Zach Tom and Josh Myers and a position battle at right tackle between Rashid Walker and Yash. And it seems like Rashid Walker has now passed Yash up on yeah. that depth chart. Um, so I don't know, man, that, that gets me kind of excited. It, it, if Rashid Walker being that late of a round pick, Jacob, if he emerges as this, you know, I don't want to say stud offensive lineman, but a quote unquote good offensive lineman, a surf, a serviceable uh, offensive tackle, dude, I'm going to be over the freaking moon. But what did you think about that offensive line today? I thought it was great. And yeah, guys, if you ever see stuff like that in the chat, just, just report them. I already reported them. So just don't let them spam us. It's cool. Oh, gotcha. um, I, I thought that, you talking about the NFL live stream thing. Yeah. They're just spamming yeah. us. That's no big I deal. Them. Get so, out of here. Get out of here. Bye. Uh, no, man, it's, did it's, you hear, you hear that noise they just made? Huh? Took it down. <laughs> good. All right, go ahead, Jacob. Sorry, man. No, you're good. Um, it's, it's a really weird, it, I feel this way about a lot of groupings, the running back group, the wide receiver group, the interior defensive line, the edge, the cornerback group. I just – I don't have this crushing feeling that I went into most Packers seasons where I'm like, if we lose A or B player, then we're just going to fall apart. I'm almost to the point where it's like, man, I wonder if C and D players are almost as good as the A and B players kind of stuff. And um, at O-line, I don't think it's any different. I'm, I'm almost more excited. Like we've talked about, we've got obviously Bach – Jenkins who can play left tackle. Now we know Walker can play left tackle. Yash has played left tackle. We can play Zach Tom at left tackle. Left guard can be Jenkins, Royce. Um, name your other people that you can throw in at left uh, left guard. You can throw in at center right now, even though it seems like our weakest point. We have Myers. We have Jenkins who can do it in a pinch. We've got John Running Jr. that's been playing there before, and we have Tom. Right guard, kind of same situation. You can almost throw anybody there. And that right tackle, it's deep as heck. Caleb Jones, we haven't even talked about yet. Caleb Jones could be our starting right tackle right now. And I wouldn't really wouldn't be that nervous about it. I'd be a little more nervous about certain things, but you could throw. And if he's better than Yash or if Tom's better than Yash, then you can't convince me that we don't have the deepest we've had. We could go in with seven offensive linemen for at least like the first game for whatever reason, if we're trying to get really weird and tricky and play some weird kind of chess move. And I'd be like, yeah, dude, we can do it. I mean, logistically we could make that work. So what a blessing to have a group of guys that we could, you could, you could keep 11 and we, you could justify it and you could keep seven and say, we're all right. Like for one game, at least we'll be good. As long as nobody gets injured, it's crazy. That, that's why I feel like with Caleb Jones, I, I wonder if maybe his path to the roster is trying to develop into a swing tackle and, and, and defy the odds. You're a big, you're, you are a uniquely built offensive tackle. Uh, if you could play on the right and left side, that could be a game changer, 
right there, especially given the roster breakdown you guys just proposed. You know, do we keep 10 or 11? Do we keep seven or eight? It could be good both ways um, because, like you said, you know, we don't really have, uh, other than Empey, a true backup center, but we have guys that can fill in at center in a pinch, uh, Zach Tom being one of them. Um, so I think Caleb Jones, man, if he could, you know, I don't, I don't see them playing him on the left side very often, though, which is crazy to me with a right-handed quarterback. You'd think they'd, they'd almost want, you know, the taller dude on the line on the backside. But uh, I don't know. I'd like to see uh, Caleb Jones get some reps on, on both tackle positions. All right, good stuff, man. Yeah, Caleb, I mean, again, this this offensive line seems fairly deep. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And, and we got to see how they perform in, in the regular season, obviously. Jacob, I know we're getting up against the gun here. If at any point you need to hop off, you just, just bounce. But um, I'm going to go ahead and hit on defense a little bit. Let's talk a little defense here at the 53-minute uh, mark. So on the defensive side of the ball today, Devontae Wyatt, it sounded like he had a solid day to the best of my knowledge. He was in on two different sacks. There was one time they said the entire pocket collapsed. It was Carl Brooks, Enigbare, Devontae Wyatt, and Lucas Van Ness, everybody converging on the quarterback. I mean, it sounded like they just annihilated the offensive line on that play. Uh, one negative that we took away today, uh, and it's kind of been all week, Keyshawn Nixon continues to struggle. They, he fell down again today in coverage. They said three times this week he's fallen down, and all three times have resulted in a touchdown. So maybe Keyshawn won't be the slot guy. Who knows, right? Um, and, again, remember what we talked about, Ennis Gaines? And and like Paul Brittle talked about, you know, Corey Valentine, um, you know, he's, he's – or Carrington Valentine, I'm sorry. Carrington Valentine is a perimeter guy, right? So as of right now, we don't look at him as, as a slot corner, so we can't just say, hey, man, let's plug the rookie in there, um, although I would like to see it, to be honest with you. But, again, we got, that's something we got to monitor with Keyshawn. That doesn't sound good. Rudy Ford seems to be in the lead to, uh, to start next to Savage, which we kind of called early on, and it seems to be uh, coming to fruition now. So I'm very excited about that. I know you guys know that. Go ahead, Jake. Um, no, I just I got to bounce real quick, but I wanted to mention it sounded like Keyshawn Banks. If you guys don't remember him, number 51, he randomly flashes in games. You don't hear a lot from him because he's kind of that dark, dark horse. Like he's he's a practice squad guy at best, I would argue. But it sounds like he's making plays to the point where Andy Herman said that he and Jadakus Bonds are kind of their new up and comers that have really flashed at the end of the uh, preseason that they're that he'd like to get them locked into that um, that uh practice squad there so apparently today he would have had a sack against jenkins and then he also beat tom for a pressure so yeah. really cool to see i gotta run here guys it's always a pleasure to see you go i'm gonna go record a podcast with the pfp crew so please uh give me all your blessings because that's like herding cats over there <laughs> yeah jacob hey listen just make sure make sure they know this man all right make sure they know 65 percent. 65 percent. That's what we need covered on the podcast. And I get out of here, dude. We appreciate you. Okay. Take care, Jacob. You see ya. That was Jacob with the Packernet Fantasy Podcast. Love that dude. Uh, quickly became, I'll tell you, when I came on this network, Jacob was the dude that was like, I connect with this guy. We seem to have a lot in common. So we've uh, been kind of attached at the hip since then. Love it. Love having him on the postgame show. But, Tim, um, another one more defensive highlight or note I had was it sounded like TJ Slayton lined up with Kenny Clark in the nickel defense again today. 
So I think they're really, really liking what they're seeing in TJ Slayton, even in those pass rushing situations, right? Um, how do you feel about that, man? You've you've watched the defensive line work at practice right there in person. You've got a, a way better beat on the defense than I have being right there in Green Bay this year. Um, do you think TJ Slayton would be okay in that nickel as that other, you know, defensive tackle? And of course there's going to be rotation. Obviously, that heavy rotation last year is going to continue this year when it comes to rotating that that front, uh, you know, the, whether it's defensive linemen, edge defenders, all those guys that keep a fresh legs out there. But the thought of TJ Slayton unseating Devontae Wyatt as that other nickel defensive tackle, I don't know, man. It you've seen it on tape with TJ. He's really turned it up. How do you feel about that? I hope we see it on Saturday. I really do. (laughs) I hope we see it on Saturday because that would be the time to do it, really. Um, Test the water, so to speak. But um, I can't speak highly enough about him. Uh, Like I said, he came to camp looking like he was in better shape than he was last year. Um, And he seems a little bit more locked in than he was last year. Um, And I think a lot of that is due to Kenny Clark taking it upon himself this year. It was very evident from day one that uh, this is his defensive line. And when it comes down to the guys in the huddle, you know, get away, getting away from the staff, you know, once it's just the guys, Kenny's the leader. And so I think a lot of these guys are just following example. And Slayton, I think he's been doing a lot of good work with his hands too lately. So the rotation is something to be confident in. And like you said, we could see a heck of a lot more uh, than Kenny Clark or TJ Slayton on the nose at any given time out here with this line. So, I mean, the depth is just another yet another position group with depth. <laughs> you know, I, I just love it, guys. I mean, this is going to be this is going to be the year. Whatever we thought last year was going to be, I think this one might be that that year for the for the defense. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. Um, it's going to be exciting to uh, to see the game Saturday night. And just see how everything unfolds because there's a lot of stuff really to look at. There's a lot of things to look into. Um, you know, one of the things here, you know, obviously Jason in the chat says Slayton and Wyatt is fire. I uh, love it. And then Matt said in the chat, who is more athletic at the end of the day? Definitely Devontae Wyatt. But when it comes to TJ Slayton, TJ Slayton has kind of had a higher pressure percentage than Devontae Wyatt. So when you think about it from that perspective too, Tim, and kind of like what Matt's talking about here with with the athleticism, you put T.J. Slayton out there, this big roadblock of a man, especially on first down nickel, right? First down nickel, T.J. Slayton, then you get in a spot where, okay, we got him in a, a third and eight or a third and 12, and you throw Devontae wide in there with fresh legs and having that athleticism, that spin move, and, and throw just a, a different a, a different uh, range of, uh, of pass rush moves at an offensive lineman. You can really get them on their heels quick. So um, it's exciting stuff. All right, last thing, we get ready to wrap up here, guys. If you want to kind of cool down the chat, I don't want you guys to comment and us not get to it. That you know, I don't want you wasting your time commenting, but we're going to have to wrap this thing up. Um, I wanted to show you guys this video real quick, and I thought this was kind of cool. I think I've got it queued up. Yeah, I've got it queued up in the system here. This was uh, – it's going to be a little loud at first. I apologize. There was some kind of feedback on the noise. But this was Jordan Love uh, throwing at the net today. And, I, and it's not so much the throw, it's not so much him draining the net, right? But watch his reaction. And I just love this because Jordan, he's kind of that quiet leader, but you've seen him staying after practice the other day, signing autographs for the fans, all that good stuff. You've heard his teammates just gush over him. 
Everybody in the organization absolutely loves him. Check him out right here at practice. Stop. If you guys can hear me, I'll just kind of narrate here a little bit of dancing. <laughs> Here's another net ball. It, it mutes you automatically with these. But look at this one right here. Look, look, look at Jordan playing that air guitar, baby. I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it, man. It's just a different feeling, man. It's a different, I don't know, something different in the air. And, and you guys know, I know there's plenty of people that don't like Aaron Rodgers. I love Aaron Rodgers. I love that he went against the grain. I love that he pissed people off. I just, I like that type of person who's going to tell you what's on their mind and they're not going to be, a, you know, uh, politically correct or apologetic in, in their feelings. If you ask me, I'm going to tell you the truth. I can work with someone like that. But with this whole Jordan Love thing coming into play here, man, it's just seeing him stay after practice, Tim, with those fans and signing autographs and just hanging out a little bit longer when it was hotter than a $2 pistol in Jacob's basement, dude. It was so freaking hot at practice. And he decided to stick around and hang out with the fans and show appreciation for that last public practice, man. It's hard not to get excited, right? Exactly. And, you know, we're embracing him, which is good. Uh, I'm glad to see the fan base really rallying around our quarterback. And you can tell Jordan's embracing this role too. And, uh, you know, I, I see in him what you want to see, the nice guy. We see the smiles. We see the happy celebrations. We see the good locker room guy. He's a good huddle guy. He's a leader. But, man, I'm telling you, there's a fire in there. There is a fire, a fiery competitive man inside of that uh, number 10 jersey. And um, it's going to be fun to see him fired up too this year. If, if anything, my my big concern with week one is just all of the hype, all of the anticipation. This is the moment. I just hope he settles down quickly and settles in, you know, like I, guys, I don't, I wouldn't expect anything super, super spectacular uh, on the first snap uh, in Chicago. I think we'll probably just a little simple run, maybe a toss or something and just kind of, let him absorb that moment and then get to work. But uh, he's going to be fun to watch this year. And what a, what a great guy to have as our QB one. Um, like I said, there's no reason not to think that uh, the lineage of greatness is, isn't going to continue. Cause I believe it will. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, man. It's exciting stuff. Let's see. Uh, we've got Iowa Joe in the chat says $2 pistol. Where are you getting your firearms? Think on it, Joe. Just think about it. Right. Hotter than a $2 pistol. It'll come to you. I promise. Man. I promise. Um, let's see here. As we get ready to wrap up, um, Cheesehead Murph said, I think the game's at 1 p.m. It is 1 p.m. Eastern time. Murph, I think we're in the same time zone. I believe it's 12 noon central on Saturday. Is that right, Tim? That's right. That means I'll be up early with some coffee, getting right. ready, doing a little, little test run for noon games on Sundays. So I think we got a few of those on the schedule this year. I love so, a noon game, and there's oh, nothing man. better. Rushing back from church and getting settled into some good food and, and cracking open a cold one and watching a ball game, man, it just don't get any better than that. It really doesn't. It does not get any better. Let's see. One more here in the chat. We've got Jason says, love Rodgers, but I'm not going to lie. I react. I reenact the Mark Sanchez butt fumble and still play 65% of the snaps to turn that second round pick into a first. 65%. 65%. <laughs> that's what we there it is. All oh right. And uh, this is probably my favorite comment of the day right here, man. Cause these, these are the, these are the ones I show up for here. Eric Sutherland, um, loyal member 
of the PTA pass. He said, I've been a Packer fan for 40 years and I've never been this excited. I'll tell you this, Eric, being a Packer fan that long, man, I just want to say thanks because, you know, you're going back 40 years, you, you sat through some bad football and I've mentioned this several times on our history segments in the off season uh, right here on Packer Soul Access. I'll do little history segments to get us through the off season. And it's, it's guys, it's, it's guys and gals like you, men and women like you that are Packer fans that, they held up that flag during the dark times and didn't let that banner drop, man. And it was like, hey, look, yeah, times are tough, but we're going to pull out of this. I have so much respect for fans like that. And I'm going to tell you, we don't know how this season's going to go, guys. We don't. You know, you guys have heard me. I, you know, I'm somewhere between six and ten wins. I wish I could narrow it down and feel confident in an answer, but I, that's where I'm at, six to ten. If we only win six games, we're going to be right here every single day every single week doing a post-game show, talking about what didn't work, and, hey, here's where the adjustment might be. If we're winning games, we're going to be celebrating. We're going to be breaking down the plays and showing you why it worked. Whether it's win or lose, you're going to come away from every week on this show going, I have a better understanding. We have a better understanding because we're going through this information together and go, okay, here's what needs to – here's where the game plan went awry. Here's what adjustments we need to make and just completely understanding what's actually going on with the game. Win, lose, or draw, we're making this thing fun this year. We'll be here every step of the way, I promise you that. So uh, I just love football. I tell people all the time, I'm a football fan who loves the Packers. I would love to sit here and tell you I'm a Packer fan I don't care about football. That's not the case. I, I just absolutely love the game of football, and the Packers are my favorite team. So win, lose, or draw, we'll be right here breaking it down. But as we get ready to go, Tim, what else you got, buddy? Anything, any parting thoughts? Just kind of going off of what you just said, man. I, I, You know what I'd like to see this year? Let's put this out there for all the Packer fans. How about we take care of Lambeau Field? How about we don't lose at home yeah, this year? Because I don't know about you guys, but these past couple of seasons, man, I'm, I'm tired of watching these teams come in and here. And, and, you know, I was there a couple years ago when Jimmy G ran off the field dropping F-bombs at fans. At, at Lambeau and uh you know I don't want to see that anymore I want to dominate at home so I, I think we need to protect Lambeau field this year that's the mantra for this season definitely and you know this is another thing again I'm, I'm not an Aaron Rodgers basher but guys I'm 40 years old the cold didn't used to bother me and it bothers me now having a younger quarterback which is crazy because I think they said that Sean Clifford is actually four months older than Jordan Love is. That's unbelievable. Like Jordan Love in his youth is gonna is gonna really, really that's gonna be a positive when it comes to playing in the cold at Lambeau Field. Let's get back to those old days when Brett Favre was young and we dominated in the cold. When Aaron was young, we dominated in the cold, right? And as yep. those quarterbacks get older, man, they struggle. It it is what it is, right? Um I think Jordan's gonna have a great chance to uh, to play well in the cold this year for sure. And I'm I'm completely on board with you. Tim, let's uh, let's bring back the frozen tundra. Let's bring back that home field advantage. Let's get it done. And, and it really does start with the fans, man. Those players feed off that energy. And it's frustrating watching a game sometimes on TV and, like, I can't even hear the crowd right now. Go back. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, go back, go on YouTube, and just type in Green Bay Packers 1990s and watch a game from the yep. 90s. You couldn't hear the broadcasters, Tim. They were so loud, man. You know, in the 90s, nobody told you to sit down either. So, 
that's that's been a thing as of late. It's been, a lot of young Packer fans can probably relate to this is that, you know, you get to some of these games and, you know, hey, I respect generational Packer fans, you know, 40, 50, 60 years. I, I met a man the other day that was at the Ice Bowl and, and got to talk to him at training camp and it was great. But, you know, it gets to a point where if you're not going to be a part of that experience, if you don't want to cheer and get loud, if you don't want to stand up uh, when we're on defense and make noise, um, that's fine but certainly don't tell us to sit down, yeah. <laughs> you know, like don't tell me to sit down and be quiet. <laughs> Bro. I fly halfway across the country and I pay anywhere from two to $500 for a ticket. Yeah. Ain't a damn person in that stadium going to tell me to sit down. And ain't gonna happen. <laughs> so- hey, I, I went to row one. I sat on the 50 row one last year on my birthday and nobody was telling me to sit down <laughs> and I had, there was nobody in front of me. I was still standing. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. I know this, man. Week one's right around the corner and we got some fun stuff. I'm going to mention this real quick for our YouTube members. We're trying to come up with a watch party for the bye week of the preseason. You know, obviously we got a game this Saturday and then we got a full really almost two weeks, if I understood correctly, before week one. So you got like the bye week coming up that Sunday for the bye week or maybe even Saturday night, what I'd like to do is put together a watch party, okay, for uh, for all of our YouTube members. And the goal will be to vote on a game, one of a, a classic games that we all enjoyed, you know, whether it was your childhood or, or you know, here recently, whatever. I'll let you guys decide. We'll do a vote on it. And I think it would be a cool way to get together that bye week for, uh, for some of our listeners and, and just kind of watch a little football and get ready for week one the next week. But I know this. When we roll into Chicago, this is what I want to see happen to the Bears. Roadhouse. That's what needs to be happening down in Chicago. So uh, let's get geared up for it, man. I love it. I love the people in the chat got me fired up, dude. Everybody's excited. Everybody's all about um, all about bringing back that mystique at Lambeau. Look at this. New, new YouTube member. Larry, I hope I'm saying it right, sir. I apologize if I'm not. I don't know if it's Cano or Kano. But thank you so much for becoming a YouTube member. And he said, Tim, I'm 65 and agree with you wholeheartedly. And he said he was 65. So I think it's 65%. 65%. That's what right there. So, again, thank you guys so much, everybody who is a, a member and everyone else in the chat, too, man. We really, really appreciate everybody hanging out with us. You, you guys make this so much more enjoyable. Cutting podcast, talking ball. I want to send a special thanks to uh, Paul Brettel for hopping on. Paul's the man. We really appreciate him being uh, – he's – you know, we're just a bunch of doofuses in here trying to talk about our favorite team. We have to get Paul in here to talk about the important stuff. So that's that's, that's why we do that. But, uh, again, everybody in the chat, there's too many to mention. Really appreciate you guys. Want to give another special shout-out to the new members, Janelle and Larry. Thank you guys for becoming YouTube members. You guys are now entered into the drawing to win – the autographed Lucas Van Ness jersey. So we're going to get out of here. Um, appreciate everybody hanging out. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go back go. The power sweep. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. Tell the tackle. The defensive end, if he's over, if he's not, he drives down the first man to inside. Pull back and get him. Take the first man outside the offense. No one shows. Go right by them and field inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, 